Hi, welcome to another episode of Meet at the Bronze. This is Meg, and I am here to give you just a little bit of a warning. Uh, we did a crossover remote recording of podcast um, for episode two of season two, Some Assembly Required. And we had one program all ready to go, and then it kind of crashed on us. And so in order to keep it going, we tried to use an online uh, platform and that did not work as well as we had hoped. Uh, our audio guy, Ben valiantly has tried to rescue as much of this as he can, because quite frankly, it's one of our best episodes. We had so much fun with the ladies of loaded literature, talking about Buffy, talking about Frankenstein, talking about wine. Um, it was really great. So I think that if you can just, uh, Stick it out. Uh, the first couple of minutes especially are a little rough, but I promise it does get better. And I think that you'll be really glad that you did. Now, this is not going to be pretty. We're talking violence, strong language, adult content. I want to go somewhere that's bursting with house bombs, cover bits, and on songs, and where a vampire's there. Always can chance on some vampires hunt until dawn. So meet me at the Welcome back to Meet at the Bronze. This is Meg, your Buffy expert. And this is Christina, your Buffy person. And we just finished uh, episode two of season two, Some Assembly Required. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this, was, interesting. this was an interesting episode, right? Very interesting. Uh, the big bad was not a vampire. That's kind of new for us. Oh, yeah. That's, that's a thing that's happening. And I'm also really upset that most of these people that aren't vampires can actually kind of kick Buffy's ass. It is weird that it's they seem weird. to be like bigger badasses than Buffy. Really? Like it's, it's it's I don't like it at all. Like especially <laughs> from like the dream episode, that guy was kicking her ass. I mean, she's putting a fight, but yeah, on, Buffy, step your shit up. Yeah, that's right. Well, okay, so this episode aired September twenty second, nineteen ninety seven. It was written by Ty King and directed. This is kind of a Buffy all star, Bruce Seth Green. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, we're going to get into the story plot in just a second, but I want to make sure to introduce our wine pairing tonight. Uh, so you're going to find out shortly enough that we are co-hosting, we have a crossover tonight with the lovely ladies from Loaded Literature. <laughs> I can say it. <laughs> uh, I'm very excited about that. Um, and we're going to be talking about Frankenstein, as our I know today. Frankenstein. Frankenstein. Are you worried? Um, horrible for trying. I was gonna say racist, but no. terrible for trying these accents. No, Mel Gibson did it. Or Mel Gibson. <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> no, then we would be terrible people. Yeah, Mel Brooks did it first, so we're fine. And it's a Broadway show. We're fine. We're covered. Once yeah. the Broadway people do it, it's all. It's totally fine. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um. So exactly. So tonight, uh, we are drinking. Uh, this is actually a friend of mine does the marketing at this vineyard out in uh, Sonoma, and it's called. Scribe is the winery. This is a 2016 estate Pinot Noir. Um, and its uh, side note is very careful of love. So the reason I thought this would work was not just because I'm recovering from a concussion and the actual wine that I bought a month and a half ago is at my <laughs> office. But anybody that has read Frankenstein knows that it actually is an epistolary, I think I said that right, novel. Yep. In that a lot of the, the exposition and the, the writing and everything takes place uh, over letters. They're big words. And uh, so I figured, you know, it took many scribes to write the many letters 
contained within the novel. Oh, I see what you did. Yep. And there, that that is where I get the also the side note of being very careful of love uh, is is awesome. So I am drinking this uh, Pinot Noir from Sonoma, and so just a real quick little deep dive into Pinot Noir. This is actually a grape uh, from Burgundy, France. So when people talk about a Burgundy, they're always talking, they're talking about Bordeaux. Bordeaux is basically a red blend. So we've had some red blends on this show. It's just a bunch of different grapes kind of thrown together. You you were totally there for them, I promise. Um, But Burgundy in France, it's always one grape. It's either if it's white, it's Chardonnay. If it's red, it's Pinot Noir. Wow. And that's actually, believe it or not, a really great way to get bargain Pinot Noirs is look for a lower level red Burgundy. And you're going to get some really good bargains down there. One of my favorites is like $10. This, because this is a friend's winery, uh, costs a bit more than $10, but, you know, she sent it to me the gift. So, um, so Pinot Noir was born in Burgundy. Uh, a lot of people think that's still where the best is produced. This is from California, where they've had kind of a renaissance ever since Sideways, that movie about the two guys. What is <laughs> <that>? <laughs> All right, we'll watch that. That's another podcast. I'm so um, so this is made from red berries. Uh, a lot of people say that the flavors in it are sweet black cherry uh, mushrooms. Then there's this term. You're going to go nuts over this term. It's uh, sous-bois. Uh, it means undergrowth or forest floor. So it can kind of smell like damp leaves. It's Or barnyard funk is kind of what I call it. And it, you know, I, I always kind of thought that this, to be honest with you, is a very light-bodied red wine that I don't drink a lot of because I like more like dip, that bang in my wine, yeah, whatever you know? I like it to just kind of like punch you in the face with all of its flavor yeah, and tannins. Yeah. Only in wine. That's the only time I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and have a sip of this one. Me too. So um, this is very fruit forward. Lots of cherry, lots of red berry, a little bit of plum. Because this is from Sonoma, I mean, I'm getting very much undergrowth or forest floor or anything like that. But uh, if you're ever looking for the perfect pairing with Pinot Noir, I like cheese, yeah, salmon, salmon, it's amazing, Um, and mushrooms. So it's already um, a mushroomy drink. So I guess. So uh, just a couple little side notes on this one. So there was a movie that came out in 2002 called Sideways, and it's about two. It's about a bromance going to do a bachelor party in wine country in California. And one of them is completely obsessed with Pinot Noir. And he's all like, I'm not drinking any fucking Merlot. That line brought down the Merlot industry. It used to be the biggest domestic wine producer or wine varietal produced in in the U.S. Tanked it. Pinot sales went up by over 400% by the end of the year. And Merlot sales dropped thousands of percent. Oh my goodness. Line. They call it the sideways effect. What a dick. Uh, I tend to like my Malbec, my Grenache, just about anything that's under $12 a bottle. That's, that's definitely my sweet spot. But if you have a friend gifting you a wine, uh, I highly recommend Scribe Pinot Noir. It retails for about $30 to $40 a bottle, depending. Um, so I don't pay that for myself. But I certainly enjoy drinking it when other people send it to me. So that's that's this. Uh, I'm going to put more notes about Pinot Noir and the sideways effect up on the blog this week. Um, but in the meantime, I think we need to get into the episode. And our lovely ladies from Loaded Literature, I'm going to use that all the time now, 
Uh, I'll turn it over to you, ladies, to introduce yourselves. Hi. Hi, guys. Hello. Well, so I'm Victoria. I'm Hale. I'm Anya. And, and we're Loaded we're... Literature. Yes. Um, I'm super stoked to be here. I've been a Buffy fan since I was two years old. <laughs> this is just a dream come true. I freaking love Buffy. <laughs> two of us have at yes. least watched it from when it was on. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, I caught. Yeah. Yes. Um. So. So yeah, uh, we're loaded literature. We, yeah, our podcast. We, uh, <laughs> our podcast. Our podcast so is badass. not a Buffy co- podcast, unfortunately. Unfortunately, uh, no. We love it to be. <laughs> um, we pair booze and food with books. Yeah. Um, we've done so far. We've done like Pride and Prejudice, some of the Harry Potters. Um, currently, uh, Handmaid's Tale is our most current release. It, yeah, it's being released right now. But yeah. we're actually we just finished recording Harry Potter three yeah. next month. Yes. So. Mm-hmm. So, Harry Potter 3 is my second favorite of all the Harry Potter books, so I'm very excited. <laughs> wait, 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 what's your first? Uh, Half-Blood Prince. What? Even <laughs> y'all. Yeah. No. no. No, 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 I'm a big fan of that one, too. You get the Dumbledore action, you get the Malfoy action. It's very yeah. action-packed. Uh, I like my, it. My fiancé, that's his favorite, and his favorite is actually because of the Circumcepta spell. Really? <laughs> yeah. I like yeah. the Dumbledore stuff. Except for, the part, ex- except for the part where he dies, but we get a lot of action with him. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, a lot of action. Quatina's favorite is Chamber of Secrets. Okay. Not true. I like that one, too, because I'm a big murder mystery fan, and it has, like, a murder mystery vibe. Yeah, so we talked about that a little bit on our episode. It's yeah. not usually people's favorites, but yeah. we actually really liked it on mm-hmm. this read-through. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. So that's the funny thing. I recently reread all of the Harry Potters, and that was my... So that and number five were my least favorites the first time around. And I really liked Chamber of Secrets, like, this last go-around. Maybe it's just, like, I don't know. I guess when I first read it, I didn't think it was angst. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The angst. Yeah. Yes. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Uh, but also, Pride and Prejudice, that's actually the first one of yours that I, well, I think, is that the first one you guys put out? That yeah. is. That is. Yep. That was a so fun one. a huge Pride and Prejudice fan. Loved that. Um, <laughs> yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> We got you real turns. I'm constantly yeah. trying to start. Uh, what's that? You guys have the book club. I'm constantly trying to start, and it makes like two meetings. And I always, <laughs> like, I pair the books with, you know, we did a book about the Taj Mahal, and I made this whole book. Ooh, we got this set and all kinds of stuff. And that was great. And then I did one that like took place in uh, Washington State, and I, I made all these like salmon puffs, and we had Pinot Noir and Reese, well, you, and all these cool things, and like four people showed up. If, <laughs> I mean, if you're ever on the West Coast, let us yeah. know. Yeah, you come join us. Come to Vegas. You can join our book club. Oh, is that where you are? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're in Vegas. I love Vegas. In fact, my company is opening a bunch of stores there this end of this year, so I might actually be out there. Oh well, if you're let, here, come. Let us know. Yeah, yeah you can know. actually come in and join our podcast. Yeah, <laughs> we do always have lots of food and booze. Yes. Too much. Yeah. Uh, so, anyways, the reason that we uh, wanted you ladies on tonight is this episode is uh, really kind of starts to dabble with some themes that, to our more uh, assiduous listeners, uh, 
Kind Listen, of- I know we're working with our lovely ladies. <laughs> These big words need to stop. <laughs> I only read <laughs> Hey, just because we read the other clocks, does that mean we know one big words? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you don't have to try to impress us. <laughs> the worst part is that, like, the words seem to get bigger the more I've had to drink. Yes. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> oh, real. I, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, things sound really good in your notes until you start trying to read them. Since this is a Buffy podcast, as I drink, I feel like I turn into a cavewoman. I just get stupider and stupider the more I drink. (laughs) This episode, Some Assembly Require, really starts to touch on some themes that I think really get into the famous gothic novel. What do we call it? Gothic? Yeah. Yeah. Right. I remember that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So we... We really get into Frankenstein with this one. Um, I wanted to start off, and then I'm going to turn it over to the ladies to talk about Frankenstein a little bit. But there's another little tidbit that I I pulled up uh, to talk about, and that is how this episode really kind of, along with Frankenstein, talks quite a bit about grave robbing. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And uh, I found I found a fun little story for all of us. Okay, there were these two gentlemen in Edinburgh. And they, in the 1820s, 1830s, and they ran up uh, like a, a boarding house, a really dilapidated, run-down boarding house in a really crappy area. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, they were barely making a living. And then they quickly found out that they could make a lot more money. There's a tenant of theirs that just owed them a ton of money, but died in his room. Oh. And so they sold that body to the local medical college for them to use as a cadaver. And that paid so much more than okay. rent did for them that they kind of started killing all of the people in their boarding house and selling them to oh the my god. Oh, my God. Isn't that how H.H. Like, H. Holmes kind of got so, started, too? Yeah, so with H.H. H. Holmes... He used oh, to kill yeah. people in his boarding house, but then he used to, like, sew their skeletons together and give the skeletons yeah. to, like, science communities. Yeah. And who, isn't, isn't Leonardo DiCaprio playing him in the movie? Yes. He's, yeah, yes. supposedly for yeah, the last, uh, like, Devil in the White, White City, yeah. so, which is a great yeah, great yeah. book. A.T. Holmes is America's probably most prolific serial killer ever. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. He's my fave. Yeah. I I love Richard Jones. (laughs) It's weird to have a favorite serial killer, but I think we all do. Is it? Is it? It doesn't feel so weird. Uh, I think (laughs) there's also a lot of rumors, Patina, that he actually might have been Jack the Ripper. Yeah. There were Uh, some theories about that. I love that conspiracy theory. Yeah. (laughs) Jack the Ripper. Yeah. Very simple. Top 10 best conspiracy theories. Yeah. So this guy just like has to be a top 10 ever. Yeah. It's the best true crime ever. Oh my God. It's so good. (laughs) H.H. Holmes, what up? For real. Um, So, anyways, these guys, Hare and Burke, which are probably the most British sounding last names ever. Um, uh, yeah, it's funny because as with Chris and Eric in this episode, uh, they only really get into trouble when live bodies start disappearing. Right. In fact, this is the best part. Um, it wasn't until the attractive body of Mary Doherty 
one of Edinburgh's most uh, popular prostitutes across the table at the medical school and was instantly recognized by many of the students. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Yikes! Who who wanted to be the first guy to admit they knew who she was? For real. Awkward! Uh, so they were uh, ru- they were supposed to be ru- they they were run out of town, but event our hair was run out of town. Burke was found and hanged, and like many of the other corpses resulting from legal executions, were sold to the medical college. Oh, yes. So I thought that was some really great uh, karma right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, it had a nice irony and poeticism to it. Yeah, that, def- that is the definition of poetic. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it. Um, so I was hoping maybe uh, you three could give us a little background on the the novel Frankenstein. Yes. Oh, wow. Well, I think the best place to start, thinking I'll start there, she wanted to talk about how the novel actually came to be. Yeah. I have just a couple of gothic tropes listed. I, I actually study this. This is um, what I'm probably going to write about eventually. Oh, yeah. My husband's leaving me for you, by the way. He's really into this. <laughs> well, stop me at any time if you want to talk about it. Um, but, yeah, so I was just going to go through a couple of uh, tropes. Um, yes. Are you guys ready to do that now? Yep, let's do it. Okay, cool. Um, so it, the Gothic is actually a direct response to Enlightenment thinking, um, kind of free thinking and scientific thinking. It's a response against that. Right, we don't like that. Yeah, it's it's kind of um, the beginning of what would be called like the Romantic Movement, capital R. Real um, is what you feel. Yeah, if you're uh, a RuPaul fan. Yeah, Ooh. you can, well, there can be the Romantics argued um, you can have feelings and still be smart at the yeah. same time. Mind blowing, I know. What feelings <laughs> are gross? I'm yeah, gonna, I'm gonna need someone to apply the scientific theory to that because I'm not buying it. <laughs> that's a really good point because I feel like that's one of the themes in this episode. You know, twice we get the becomes very famous saying, "Love makes you do the wacky." Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's really kind of the same thing. Like you can't think with both your heart and your brain. Yeah. Right. My favorite oh, I quote. I going to say the other thing. Well, my favorite quote is, uh, "God gave men." A brain and a penis, and only enough to use one at a time. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think my grandma used to say that. <laughs> Your grandma was like a smart lady. Yeah, grandma was. <laughs> grandma said a lot of wild stuff. <laughs> um, so I've got a quote for you guys. So Edmund Burke actually said, "No passion so effectively robs the mind of all of its powers of acting, acting and reasoning as fear." And so that's how we kind of get, like, um, this kind of idea that fear can kind of go above and beyond, and it can show you things and teach you things about yourself. Um, so that's where the gothic kind of came around from. Um, so the first kind of gothic tropes, um, they, they started being used in the 18th and 19th century. At least that's when they got really popular. Uh, the, the actual word gothic is attributed... Uh, to literature, to uh, The Castle of Otranto, which is subtitled A Gothic Novel. It has nothing to do with Batman and Gotham City, correct? (laughs) No, it doesn't. No, it actually has to do with goths um, and their invasion into France. The only thing we know about Visigoths is from uh, Gilmore Girls. Where (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I learned all my big information. Yes. <laughs> Everything I know I learned from Gilmore. <laughs> For real. That's so lost. I'm too um, young or too dumb to understand no. this. God. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> or 
Oh, this will be easier. <laughs> so the, the big important things in the Gothic are the setting, right? So it's it's usually in like a dilapidated castle or some yeah. sort of. In the case of Frankenstein, it's mm-hmm. it's isolated in the yeah. Arctic tundra. In the case of this Buffy episode, at the very end, they're in a no longer used science. They yeah, building. they're in a rundown kind of what building. Was that and I'm saying it's in the old science lab, by the way. Oh, yeah. 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 I would even say yeah. that a that a graveyard fits into that too. Yeah, the, yeah. The episode starts off that. Well, what way. about yeah. the so? Like, like what the about what that they were doing all of this in? That was yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> gothic. Yeah, that whole setting is gothic, and um, it, obviously it has to do with the supernatural. Sometimes it's a direct illusion. Sometimes it's more just. Um, it, it, it's more plays around with the supernatural. Obviously, in this series, the supernatural is very real. Yeah, <laughs> plays a big part of it. Oh, really? In Buffy the Vampire Slayer? No, <laughs> well, vampires are real. That's that's her name, okay. Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then we have um, usually a character that's the antihero in this time period, kind of brought up the Byronic hero. So it's like. The guy that you love, but you know you shouldn't. Like, he's like, Angel and Spike. Like, Angel and Spike are, yeah, are yeah, anti-heroes, right? Yeah. You're lucky. <laughs> uh, so we're kind of... Uh, the actual, the kind of um, go-to one that everyone uses is Dracula. So I guess that's mm-hmm. why I brought up Angel and Spike. Um, he's he's charming. He's usually a member of the aristocracy. Um, mm-hmm. People love him, and they should not. Sometimes he's, sometimes he's a creepy old man, though. Sometimes he's a creepy old man. Sometimes he's Deadpool. <laughs> sometimes he's Deadpool. And sometimes he's uh, uh, the black guy in Blade. He's the black guy. Yay! Oh, heck yeah! Uh, yeah, 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 yeah! Don't even get me started on Blade. <laughs> <laughs> Blade is great. What is Blade? Wait, you can't say the black guy in Blade when the main character was black. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the main character. And the main character is Blade. Yeah, Black yeah, Eyed Blade. So, what, okay. so you mean Blade? Blade. <laughs> so this is the titular character. What? Oh, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Black Eyed Blade. You mean Blade? Oh, Anya. Um. So, actually, I think the most relevant to all of it is the femme fatale or the damsel. Uh, you definitely get both of these in it. The femme fatale obviously has to be Buffy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the damsel is Cordelia, Cordelia for it's sure. Always it's Cordelia. always Cordelia. I'm telling you, with how many times that bitch gets kidnapped, why does she, she <laughs> carry something on her? She's like Lana. <laughs> That's the best line of the whole show. Why do these things always happen to me? Karma. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and even anything else is sort of like, yep, that sounds yeah. about right. Fucking just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one's surprised that she gets No kidnapped. one is ever surprised. Uh, but the femme fatale is usually manipulative, and she's usually trying to get others to do her bidding, but this is also mm-hmm. one of the most subverted tropes in Gothic lit. So it's mm-hmm. also the one that they play around most with, so I think that's why they yeah. get away with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's usually a reference to religion. That's not as prevalent in this one, but yeah. I think it is more so in the book. And yeah. finally, uh, if Hale wants to take this one, uh, references to the medieval all over. We have a resident medievalist in the house. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> interesting people 
people I've ever talked to. <laughs> don't, we don't think we're Don't worry, I'm not, I don't study the gothic, and I'm not a medievalist. I'm not that interesting. I just really love Buffy. <laughs> um, but the most, the fun part that I really wanted to get into was the story on how it was written. Yeah. Uh, so, have you guys heard about the, the uh, ghost story challenge? No, what? Wow, what? Okay, so, this would be fun. I don't think it's the internet, hun. <laughs> this was what is that a website that all like the creepy pastas? Creepy pastas, yes. This is creepy pastas before oh, the internet. This Wait. is creepy pasta that Mary Shelley herself wrote. Uh, excuse me, I would just like to announce that Meg can suck it. <laughs> <laughs> and to be fair, Mike later tonight. So. Oh, oh, <laughs> I don't know. oh goodness! Oh my goodness! Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. So the uh, the ghost story challenge. The ghost story challenge. Um, so in the summer of 1816, uh, Lord Byron. You guys know who Lord Byron is, right? He sounds familiar. He sounds familiar. A poet. He also did some kind things. Of, kind of a playboy. Also kind of a bitch. <laughs> a little bit of a bitch. Oh, remember that we talked about him a little bit in the Angel episode with J.R. Merritt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the first person to ever write a poem about or a book about vampire well, I don't know who's the first one to like make vampires uh, it was his doctor and right. we'll talk about him John Polidori yes yeah. yes but then didn't he so what, his doctor wrote a novel I feel like and then he wrote an epic poem uh, it wasn't well it's kind of both uh, John Polidori it is a poem but uh, it's in a novel form hmm mm-hmm. yeah but uh, yeah so Byron invited um, actually Percy Bishy Shelley uh, Mary Shelley's future husband because they weren't actually uh, married at the time. So Percy invited his mistress, who was, I think, 18 at the time. I think that sounds right. And she'd already, well, we'll get into it later. She already had a, had a miscarriage of his. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was the daughter of Mary Wollstonecraft and um, a, actually another gothic writer, William Godwin. Oh, yeah. He wrote... Um, he wrote Caleb Williams, or things that, as they are, is what they're called. Was it, what it's called? And Mary Wollstonecraft wrote *A Vindication of the Rights of Women*, so she was a heavy feminist. Yeah, she was the best. one of the yeah, earliest, very, feminists. very early feminist. She was kind of a badass. Yeah, definitely. Um, not even kind of. She was. <laughs> she, not she even was a badass. Kind of. Yeah, she um, was a bad Mary bitch. Shelley is also a badass. Oh yes. Um, so yeah, so they all went along with um, Byron and his personal doctor and author, John Polidori, who wrote The Vampire with a Y. I they went to his rental house near Lake Geneva, which I actually found in my research was originally rented by John Milton. Oh, so what? Paradise Lost. What was he doing, enjoying the scenery while he's blind? Apparently. Right. <laughs> um... <laughs> and then uh, due to a volcanic eruption in Indonesia, they actually, the smoke actually blotted out the sun. Whoa, so, spooky. Yeah, the entire summer was, was dark. Mm-hmm. Ash covered the sky and completely blocked out the sun. Um, it led to odd weather, so there was lots of rain. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically had to sit inside all the time yeah. in this kind of creepy old house. Um, so she describes it as, like, basically them just sitting by candlelight all the time. Yeah. Um. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Gothic setting, right? Yes. So there was a volcano in Indonesia. Indonesia, right. And people in the Alps. Yes. 
see the sun. Yep. 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 What the? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. They said to me. Small world. Wow. Yeah. So uh, this house was actually kind of um, like kind of far away from everything else, too. So they were kind of like in a desolate location. Nothing was nearby. All of their plans that they had to do over all of this time kind of fell apart because it was raining all the time. Be hella pissed. If I go, considering how hard it was to travel back then, sounds like a fun summer, guys. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) do it. When's the next volcano going off? At that point, how do you hear that Uh, that's what happened? You know, like how long would that take to get Uh, to you? So Mary Shelley, actually, I guess I should have prefaced this. Mary Shelley actually wrote this in an introduction to this novel. So take of it what you will. She is a gothic story writer, so mm-hmm. it could have been a little bit exaggerated, but that hey, never exaggerated. It actually, uh, it actually is proven that that the sky was weird back then because there's a whole series of I think uh, art in Germany that was yeah. um, really depressing at the time, and they went back and found out it's because there was no sun. What the? And yes, of course I knew that for when I was an English major and was supposed to read this book three different times, I totally did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I just so happened to stumble across it. One of my, actually, it was uh, one of our instructors that all three of us had. Um, Toto Martin. Uh, yep, Mr. Toto. He, uh, he was telling us this story, I think. So yeah, so for fun, because obviously it's fun, Byron was reading some of Samuel Taylor Coleridge's uh, poems. The most depressing person Absolutely. on the planet. Uh, could not have been more addicted to drugs if he tried. Father of romanticism and gothic poet. See, but Coleridge is one of the few poets I do like. I do like. <laughs> and he plays a huge part in this novel. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so they, they started reading some of his work, including Christabel. And apparently it affected Percy so much that he ran from the room screaming. What a wimp. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it is Mary Shelley that's the bad bitch, right? Yeah. Not Percy oh, Shelley. Which one of these guys had a novel published after the spooky, scary oh, telling well, look at it night? Uh, Mary Shelley and John Palladori are the only two who oh. left this summer with actual work. <laughs> Byron and Percy did not. Um... So Byron challenged everyone to write ghost stories. Uh, Mary already had a rough life. There were suggestions that she was wracked with guilt over the death of her mother, who died a few days after childbirth. Um, she also gave, she also gave birth prematurely to a baby girl in the January before this happened. Uh, so she was extremely depressed. And then this happened. And according to the introduction that Shelley wrote herself, she describes their ghost story challenge. She claimed that she received a vision that outlined the story for her. And, a vision. Uh, a vision, yeah. And all of these things uh, in the given setting led to the birth of Frankenstein. Hmm. And the future Mrs. Mary Shelley and Dr. Polidori were the only ones with hmm. completed stories that they set out to write that summer. Um, there, and that was Frankenstein and the vampire. Both of them were written in this setting. I can't believe I've never read The Vampire. I'm going to go home and read it's, that. It's ASAP. actually... I have it. It's really great. Give me. It's It's very great. I will give it to you. Thank you. Um, 
I have heard that Byron wrote a few lines that were later turned into his most famous poem, Manfred, but they were actually rewritten, so it's not like you can actually say that he sat down and wrote Manfred in this time. And Percy never wrote anything, so... Percy never wrote anything anyway. <laughs> I mean, except Ozymandias and all those other things mm-hmm. that he wrote. Mary but... totally wrote those for him, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the ghost story. Okay. All right. So uh, I'll tell you what. Let's get a little bit into the story, and then I'm going to switch back to you guys to talk about Frankenstein, and we'll have a conversation there. Sounds good. But Poutine is like, I need to say something <laughs> about the show. Yeah, I'm like, when the fuck can we talk about the show? Because I don't know any of this. Like, I did this in high school. Like, Ivy. You were Ivy. I know. I was Ivy. We read these books. That's so I'm like, I know that Arthur's name. Wow. But, like, legit. Like, that's that's it. All right. It's okay. We got you. I got so, medical terms in my head now. So, the official synopsis of this show, uh, we've switched up uh, synopsizers at this point. Synopsis. <laughs> Um, we are now using the Buffy Chronicles. All right. Let's see. What do they have? To, oh, wait. Nope. It's not in the Buffy Chronicles. Ah, just kidding. It's in the other one. I got like 10 books over the weekend about Buffy. <gasps> Ooh. Because it's the most top college, pop culture college course in the world. Oh, my God. And so oh. there's, there's over 200 textbooks. Jeez. I'm going to have to go buy some myself. Yeah. Uh, I got all these like, weird world books. Oh my god, I want to become a Buffyologist. Yes. Um, look, there's a graduate level um, journal, the Journal of Plage, and it's graduate level species on Buffy. Oh journal my god. Slayage? Absolutely. Okay, so our synopsis tonight is... This is amazing. Uh, whoops, uh, in the cemetery, Buffy finds evidence someone's acquiring body parts from recently deceased girls. Investigating further, Buffy's group learns a student named Chris somehow used electricity to revive his late brother, Daryl, who died while rock climbing, which I got a lot of thoughts about, as a sort of cut-up Frankenstein's monster. Worse, Chris and his partner in crime, Eric, a geeky student with a penchant for evil, experiment plans to build a female Frankenstein to relieve Daryl's loneliness. What a <laughs> Men. Exactly. Fuck the say. patriarchy. <laughs> Creepy asshole. Especially that fucking twat. What, what's that fucking... Oh, Eric. Eric is a... Typical man. The minute I saw him, I was like, this motherfucker is... <laughs> yes, my dudes! Yes, thank you! He respect people's women's wishes, privacy. He said some shit and then that made me so mad. Kind of like, oh, it's just another girl. I'm like, bitch, what? Anyway. Eric is a oh. creepy son of a bitch. He was so creepy. My note about him was actually that he looked like some, he looked like the douchey little brother in some show on TGIF. Oh, yo, I thought thought about going to Disney Channel for a minute, but I actually... I'm just saying! (laughs) saying. It's like we don't judge people by their appearance. Friday night, like, here's four hours of awesome entertainment for (laughs) you teens out there. No, I was like, I don't know. It was on ABC, not family. Okay. So basically, to start us off, oh, we start off, where else would we start off? In the cemetery. In the cemetery. Yeah, in the cemetery. In the cemetery. <laughs> With Angel. Uh, With Angel. Uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not an Angel, Angel fan. Angel. <laughs> There's one of us that doesn't like him. <laughs> oh, Katina is like, she's like, oh, there's so shit about that guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
Anya, look, I like my vampires all the same. I like Spike and Angel, so. threesome. No! 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 I like Angel, but this thing with him and Buffy makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. it definitely does. Yeah. Especially when he's like, I'm 241 years old and you're 16. I'm like, yeah, it's weird. That's such a, no, but see, that's such a, like, a, like, a martyrdom man to be like, uh, no, we shouldn't. It's very, like, twilight which really bothers yes. me. Like, but take it away with them. So sorry. sorry. I, I just have so many thoughts. Does it help the angel argument at all that at the time that he was turned, Look, I've read a couple of different things. He was either 18 or 21 when he was turned. He looks still 30. <laughs> How dare you? David Boreanaz looks a lot older now. <laughs> I've been watching Bones all day while I've been out. <laughs> He's got that new SEAL Team show. I yeah. will watch it. I've watched like an episode. He's got like a little silver fox going on. I'm into it. Sorry, guys. Um, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm into it. Um, but I think that there is something to be said for the last time that he was a living, breathing human male. Uh, he was only like 17, 18, which wouldn't have been creepy. See, look at you. That's not that creepy. That's yeah. 18 to 21, and now you're like, 17, 18, stop your fucking lies. And I think these early seasons, he does look younger. He looks so cute. It's he, sweet. He, he, doesn't look, he don't look 19. Oh my god. How dare you? Neither does Buffy. Let's be honest. <laughs> Whoa. It doesn't matter how old you Check yourself. None of those kids, especially. All right, all right. Oh, no, never mind, never mind. Um, excuse me. Okay, but I'm just saying, I think that that should be taken into account. Yes. So, okay. I will I will agree with that. Angel is really upset with Buffy because, uh, and as Buffy asks, Buffy says, uh, is it because I danced with Xander that time? Oh, my Yeah. <laughs> His response, danced? Made, made it with, with might be yes! I loved it. I was like, how old are you, Angel? I love that, that line down because I was like, made it with? Who the fuck said that? Like, <laughs> like an 19 year old. That's who. Who says that? Lame, sad vampire man. <laughs> hey, whoa. Fuck oh. you. With that being said, I will say, fuck the slut shaming, okay? Yeah. yeah. Fuck that, okay? But wait, he used to be the world's biggest man whore? He should not be talking about right? it. Y- yeah. Like, oh, you mean like when Willow broke it down saying that he's gone on like a thousand dates when she was calculating it? Ooh. That's one of my favorite things when she's like, wow, 200 years old. So if you'd only done two dates a year, that's all. That's that's not helping Willow. Uh, but Buffy follows Angel as he storms away. And she falls into an open coffin. No, 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 no. Pause. Before Pause. that, one, Buffy's even in the cemetery because she's trying to fight a vampire. Whatever. But the vampire, we see him coming up in the back while Buffy and Angel are arguing. And you're fucking telling me Angel did not see the fucking vampire come out of, like, right behind him to attack Buffy? I was like, you're a vampire? What are you Look, doing? You have enough blood to run the for the brain. Okay, though, when we get when we get into the later part, where the fuck was Angel anyway? Angel was literally gone, like, the entire episode. He's a tuxedo mask. He's a tuxedo mask. Oh, my God, yes. 
bigger mood reference I get. Oh my god, I used to have that soundtrack like in like seventh grade. Oh my god, and he was like, Crazy man on your shoulder, I cry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I haven't either. That's idiotic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't get up on Monday mornings at like 5.30 so I could record or watch last night's recording because my parents didn't want to watch mainstream TV on I was just talking about how I used to constantly listen to my Buffy the Musical soundtrack on my Walkman. <laughs> so Until it died. Yeah, until the CD nice. was just unusable. Nice. <laughs> uh, so she falls into the open coffin. Um, although I gotta say, like, it looks like it's in perfect shape. There's no straight dirt. Oh, hell yeah. Right? I was... That's what I was thinking. Where is, like, the and pile of dirt? Right. Like, you're oh, yeah. gonna notice some dirt. Yeah. But those guys are Yeah. like, the fact that she only realizes that, like, a girl got dragged away because there was a shoe left there, like, <laughs> what? Right, right. What? She loves shoes. She has her well, shoes. <laughs> She's yeah. a trick. Yeah, you know, okay. <laughs> that shoe was the shoe that Buffy wore to prom Don't that you, you hated. say that. I think it might have been. It wasn't. It had more of a heel and it wasn't a fucking square block on the It was pretty So something was dragged. Um, and so credits, credits, credits. Uh, we cut to the library where Giles is oh, wait. practicing. Can you pause for a second? I can pause. Listen, I had to say this because y'all, y'all was talking about these books and I got something to say about this show. Listen, do you know the part where um, um, she asks him if he's jealous and he's like, what? I'm not jealous of a kid. And she's like, what do you mean he's just a kid? Does that mean I am I am too? I was like, bitch, yes, you're 16. <laughs> yes. You are still a child, yes. She definitely is still a kid. Even though Xander looks like he's 40, let's be yeah, honest. Xander does look real old. I, yeah, that's, that's, I was really passionate about that line because when she said that, I was like, yeah, you're a fucking bitch. Like, you're talking to a, like, a vampire who's 241 years old and you're for asking him who's jealous of a sophomore? Okay, what? Well, junior now. They're juniors. Okay. <laughs> okay. Quatina, a hard truth. Uh, which bothers you more? Angel and Buffy's age difference, or the fact that parents keep sending their children to this school? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, this is... Parents sending their kids to this school. Okay. Because you know what? It's a lot more kids. It's, a, it's just, I don't understand. Your kids are... Kids die every fucking day at the school, and you still send your children to the school. In in fact, the new uh, Dusted Unauthorized Guide to Buffy book that I have, every episode it actually lists the body count, and it breaks out, like it breaks out students versus everyone. Oh, <laughs> oh my god, it's kind of awesome. So, by the way, by the end of this episode, we're at ten students, three adults. Just this episode, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so we're back at the library, and, yeah. and Katina's boo shows up, and mm. he is practicing speaking to an empty chair. This is so cute. Adorable. So cute. I love Giles. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, Giles. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, he's trying to ask out the chair, and he's all, he's using words like indecorous, and I'm an idiot and imbecile. <laughs> uh, Buffy and Xander try to give him some dating advice because they're so successful in that area. <laughs> Still blind leading the blind. It's oh not even my funny. Goodness, you yeah, right. and he was talking to Willow about why they couldn't get dates. Yeah, he was like stop giving it. Um, but she says, "Don't speak that. Speak English, not whatever they speak in England." <laughs> that sometimes I'm like, 
Like <laughs> definitely not English. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. She's so Speak American. He's so disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> that would be Kentucky Buffy. American, America, yeah. And then they're teasing Giles. It's really fun, and he's taking it pretty well. Wait, he says thank you, Cyrano. Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac. I'll let one of you ladies take Cyrano. Oh, I don't think Cyrano. I don't think one of us ladies can. Yeah. Oh, whoa. what? Okay, Cyrano de Bergerac. Okay, this is a play that I've done. Um, oh, I have, yeah, I've not read that one. I know what you're talking about, though. The, this is a play, it's not Moliere, but it's one of his contemporaries. Um, so 17th century enlightenment, which kind of tracks for this episode. Um, and it's basically the story of a man who is in love with a woman, but he's too shy to speak, like he can never figure out what to say. And then there's this funny looking guy with a giant nose, who basically feeds all of the lines to the man in love. But to the woman, so kind of the woman is sort of falling in love with Cyrano and not. Oh, oh my god, this was in a Phantom of the Opera. When yeah, yeah, I feel like I've seen like a lot of modern reversions of this. Right, right. Sure, I think it's I saw like, Bob's Burgers version of this. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I love Bob's Burgers. Oh my god. Yes, thank you. So yes, good. Tina is my boo. <laughs> I love her. Bob's Burgers, real Tina. Yes, uh, there's a new show coming out by those producers that is a musical. <gasps> oh my what? god! Yes, read about it this week. I hate Bob's Burgers, but I'm gonna give it a try. You hate Bob? <laughs> what? what? I'm sorry. End this recording right now. <laughs> no, 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 no. Bucky still talks about burgers right now. I'm seriously so far away from the mic because I'm upset with you. I don't get it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. No, I, I mean, I'll be honest. I don't really watch it either. So. Hey, no one asked you. Bob's <laughs> Burgers podcast. That's not making you watch it. No. <laughs> let's let's make and, a Bob's Burgers podcast. And invite us on for that no, one too. How many spinoff podcasts do we have? At this point, we've got Gilmore Girls. With Justin's episode, Gilmore Girls. Angel. Angel. Well, no, that's part of this one. Will and Grace. No, Will and Grace. Uh, Bob's Burgers. I feel like every single episode, we're like, that's another podcast. Out of curiosity, do you guys talk about Angel? We're going, once we get to that point where, so, because Buffy and Angel... They exist in the same timeline starting season four. Right, yeah. And sometimes... So you'll start talking about it together. We're doing an Angel and a Buffy episode at a time. Okay. Cool. So 12 whole seasons of TV that we can talk about. Oh, I love it. Wow. I'll be following along blind when you get to Angel because I never watched Angel. Because you hate Angel. Yes. I'll start watching it, though, so I can... Keep actually, up with you guys. Was really I actually great. know a lot of people where Angel became their favorite. Boom. Over Bob. Yeah. You know a lot of people I'm about uh, to fight. My favorite character in the Buffy universe is actually Gunn from like the first two oh, seasons. Oh, Christina, you're going to lose your damn mind when you get Gunn. Oh, you will. Oh, oh sexy. Lord. He's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. He's how I figured out that I have a thing for black men. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. <laughs> the black guy blade. Yeah. <laughs> beautiful, 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 beautiful. I was like, black man. Oh, well, that's the other spinoff we have is Blade. Mm-hmm. Yes. Blade. <laughs> that, that, that black guy from Blade. Yeah. <laughs> I always hold that over your head. 
time you see no white people look the same. I've never said that ever. Also, quit talking <laughs> about I hate you so much. I can see what you started. She's like, oh, if you subscribe, if you donate to our Patreon, you'll get a picture of my breasts. What? <laughs> 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 okay. Hey, if you donate to our Patreon, I'll send you a picture of my flat chest. Okay, we're into all types of chests. So. You know what? Everybody's beautiful and lovely. Chest is a no body shaming here. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, so let's see. We're we're where we went on. Giles talking. Oh yeah, Giles. Yeah, Giles wants to date Miss Calendar. Uh, you got a thing, you got a thing, then ask her for Mexican food? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 You like Mexicans? No, Mexicans. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel about Mexican food? Mexicans. Mexicans. <laughs> I find that racist. Um, <laughs> then let's see. Uh, oh, and then she's like, she tells him about the grave that she walked into the night before, because that apparently can wait a while. Yes. It's a thing in Sunnydale. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he's like, grave robbing. Uh, that's new and interesting. <laughs> oh, hold on. While we're talking about the cemeteries, you guys are based on East Coast, right? Yes. Yes. Have you ever been to California? Yeah. No. My my uh, dad's family lives up and down California. I was just there in June, actually. Yeah. I'm originally from California, and every time I watch Buffy, ever since I was a kid, there's no cemetery in California that has, like, mausoleums. <laughs> what? <laughs> See, where I'm from. No cemetery in California. It's like everywhere. <laughs> That has always struck me about Sunnydale. Yeah. But Dana, we actually do have mausoleums. Cause, so we're in Maryland outside of D.C. We're amazing. Oh. Yeah, you guys would. Uh, I live a half a mile away from the cemetery that Francis Scott Key is buried in. So- oh, oh, wow. wow. Yeah. He was racist? Wasn't he? I don't know. A little bit. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All of the other verses yeah. of, of the... I mean, yeah, he was a white man in Frederick. Where, yeah. but by the way, the like most famous person from here, aside from Francis Scott Key, was uh, Roger Tanney, who was the supreme, the, the head of the Supreme Court when they decided Plessy v. Ferguson. Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, so two years ago, though, there was a big protest outside of the courthouse where there was a statue of him, and they tore him down. Really? It tore a statue down. Yeah. Hale's hey, hey. from Louisiana, so she has a lot of a lot of feelings on these. Yeah. Oh, Ferguson, Dred Scott, sorry, but JR was Francis Becky a racist? Oh my god. Thank you. Boom. Yeah, if he was an old dude, probably. If you get a chance, look up the extra verses to um the national anthem. They're all about Wait, slaves. Oh I no quarter to the slaves. Yeah, they just put it out. Yeah, okay. Wrote that All right, okay, fine, fuck him. I'm just saying, though, like, our cemetery that is mostly German uh, is awesome, and there are mausoleums there. Uh, but you're right. Not that I spent a lot of time in California cemeteries, but I, I didn't. <laughs> oh, I spent all my time. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, what else do you go to make out, apparently? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Parking lot of a cemetery yeah, okay, that is very different from making out in a cemetery. All right, moving on. <laughs> 
Um, okay, so, oh, so she says to Giles saying that grave robbing, that's new and interesting. I know you meant to say gross and disturbing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, feel like, I feel like they kind of should be a little bit more upset about the fact that a peer of theirs, somebody their age, died so young. And they're just like, they're so used to it. So yeah. Like, they're really jaded. Well, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. That's what, what's new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we go to everybody trying to sign up for the science fair. Eric, who looks like the juicy little brother and it's for a oh channel show. Oh my God. Fuck this little bitch. I can't see him. Thank you. He's such a creep. He's all up in your face taking these pictures. Like, check out these legs. I'm like, dude, you're so gross and you're invasive. Back the fuck up. Yes. Oh, real. The, but when we see the pictures he took, they're all like gorgeous glamour shots. Oh, I know. <laughs> Like he's a bro, not candid at yeah, all. Because everybody that took pictures for the school yearbook in high school was, you know, basically Temple Adams. Yeah, right, absolutely. Um, but I would like to submit him for the most '90s thing in the episode. Oh my god, did I actually put with the giant baggy Hawaiian shirt, baggy jeans? Stop. Stop. Yeah, it was the most '90s thing. I put that down. Hawaiian shirt. Because it was just, <laughs> but just his haircut, his like creepy lech vibe, yeah. Uh, like everything, I was like, "You are the bad guy in an old school Lindsay Lohan movie." Ugh, you're so gross. Yes. Oh, Lila, what happened to you? <laughs> oh my god, yes. Oh, oh, poor girl. Hey, at least she got rid of that weird accent she had for a while. Has anyone seen her recently? <laughs> Um, oh, we also learn here that Willow always places second in the school science fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who places first? Chris. The, Chris. the ginger unibrow. Oh. The, the kid who manages to bring back to the dead. Barely. It's hard with gingers to tell because our hair is so pale, but yeah. It, it <laughs> come on. Come on. His eyebrows were so thick, it looked like he was sporting a unibrow. Oh. Yeah, he, was, he was not the most attractive of people. In my opinion, I mean, neither of them were the most attractive of young men. Neither was he. No. Okay, but my favorite of all of this is Cordelia Science Project, though. Are tomatoes a fruit or a vegetable? <laughs> and my favorite part is when she then walks into the library and she's like, "I need help," and Willow goes, "It's, it's a, a fruit." fruit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Cordelia signs up, and this is the first time that, like, we find out that she, well, it's the second time we find out, really, that she has some depth. She does. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, because we learned about her relationship to the brother. Her pain. Yeah, to girl, and, like, that really hurt her. Yeah. It broke her heart, thus possibly proving its existence. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which, how many times have you said something, like, like, Buffy at that point, and then it was like, well, he died, and you're like, Ah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm real bad about that because I got the motor mouth. <laughs> I was at work. Uh, it was maybe a month into my new job. And I went up to this guy that, like, runs our website. And he had just come in the building. And he was, he normally, my job is very casual. He normally wears a t-shirt and jeans. And he was in black pants, white shirt, black tie. And I walked up to him, trying to be funny. And I was like, I can't tell if... Uh, you are a Mormon missionary or uh, trying to be, or, or you just came from a funeral. And he looks at me and he goes, yeah, I just came from a funeral, Meg. Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> oh Meg. Like, yeah. um, how do you recover? I, I just look you you walk away. You don't know. I just looked at him and went, oh, fuck. I am so sorry. I am such a bitch. 
in the board. <laughs> and for like a week, I was awesome. You were so much bigger than me. I would have just been like, cool talking to you, bye. <laughs> later. Because he's, he's kind of one of my counterparts. So he's somebody that I can help. Oh, ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, sorry. That awkward, you know, backwards walk. moonwalk away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Go slow that they don't actually know if you're actually moving away. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was like, I'm not funny wow my family's right um, <laughs> r.i.p <laughs> tina my own sister who edits this podcast was like uh meg katina's hilarious and you need to learn to shut up more oh <laughs> oh, don't listen to your sister <laughs> if that's one thing i've learned don't listen to sisters <laughs> don't listen to your sister uh in all, fa- in all fairness she's pretty funny and wants to be on the show and i'm like uh, not until you think I'm the funny one. Why would you want to be on a show with somebody as unfunny as me? <laughs> oh, so she's bitter. That's it. So, well, she's also the youngest, so there's a lot of bitterness, yeah. Uh, oh. We got that, too. <laughs> uh, so Willow always plays a second, which is crazy. Uh, they're all in the library trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, Cordelia won't go grave digging with them. No, really? Shocker. Yeah, yeah. She's got cheerleading practice, guys. Yeah. Shocker. Shocker. This one's better. Um, and, uh, then we cut to Buffy and Willow eating powdered donuts in front of a headstone. Guys. Yes. <laughs> Soup's relatable. We've all <laughs> been there. Oh, yeah. Well, you mean with Xander and Giles digging and then yes. they're like, oh, well, and this is one of my men's work. <laughs> Giles is digging this hole, and his shirt is it's pristine. pristine. <laughs> like British. That's I was yeah, just about to say, oh, Britishness yeah. just repels yeah. dirt. Anya, Anya he's If we had a segment that was the most British thing in the episode, that would tie for something at the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Oh, you should consider that segment when we get in the other Brits. I, we <laughs> might. Really, really, really might. It could be a Brit off. Oh, Brit. Uh, the, the, British oh, Brit. the great Buffy British off. There you go. I named the segment for you. But then, uh, by the way, I also would like to say that white powdered donuts at a grave site seem disrespectful. They probably should have been chocolate. <laughs> yeah. It's dark and somber. <laughs> Unless you're in New Orleans, then you can have the white ones. Yeah, celebrate. <laughs> hey, hey, oh, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> they don't eat those in New Orleans. No, they do. It's just like with celebrate. I'm from New Orleans. Oh, are you? <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, you know how at funerals in New Orleans they wear white? Yeah, they do. Uh, like they second line down streets and stuff like that. Yeah. Wait, that's it. Isn't that a thing from? Um, like voodoo or something, then it's like a reaction against the all black. It's it's well because like they they look at like death as more of like a celebration, celebration of, their life of life, yeah, and rather than like being sad. Yeah, that's exactly how it is in my country as well. It's like, well, I mean, they wear black and red, and then I think some there some other ones who wear black and white. But eventually, after you know the mourning and everything, even sometimes the coffin is made in the shape of. Um, what that person did. Oh, like in their life. Oh, so, like, it could be a Where is that? Yeah, where is that done? In Ghana. Oh, okay. Okay. That's wow. Cool. Okay, cool. In Nigeria, just saying. Anyway, um, but then afterwards, they basically have a party. It's a celebration of um, 
Yeah. Yeah. And you like go around shaking hands around the world and then everyone kind of just turns up. Yeah. Oh, cool. That's cool. Once again, the U.S. is so lame. <laughs> real. Uh, if I was Asian, I could wear a red, I could have worn a red wedding dress. If I was, you know, uh, apparently Ghanaian. Ghanaian. Thank you. Uh, I could have, I could ever get into a white jersey. Although I look terrible in white, so maybe I'm not excited about that. <laughs> well, as someone, I, I am getting married and I'm looking at wedding dresses. Oh, you can wear red wedding dresses. <laughs> Thanks. My the wedding dress. are very single. <laughs> <laughs> I am actually dating right now. <laughs> like, extra single. <laughs> it's been a struggle, girl. I'm on the same side as you. Have you, have you just put in calls for dates on your podcast? Because we did that for Patina once or twice. And it, Oh well, we're about to call for dates on your podcast. <laughs> I want those Buffy fans to hit me up. They like Buffy. They're ridiculously smart. If you are, what's your age range that you go for? Um, <laughs> let me think. I am twenty three, so twenty three to thirty five. Okay. Oh my god, that's me. That's my age range too on OkCupid. So, yes. oh my god, on oh OkCupid, okay, yes, girl. <laughs> Struggle out here. I had to go to online dating. That's like, hey, I'm meeting in person. I can't wait for you guys to get matched with, with each other. <laughs> I just, I'm starting online dating soon. Wish me luck. Same. Same. Luck guys, shitstorm. Seriously, dating as an adult is just looking for the best piece of crap. Seriously, I met my husband online, and we were like, oh, oh seven years later, like fifteen gets grossed out sometimes. Yeah. Okay. I'm happy to hear that because I'm feeling a little hopeless. Oh, I have a friend who just got engaged who met her significant other online. So it's love, a great way. Love happy ending. You know what? Because you get to come up with bullshit. You yeah. get to have a conversation online before you even bother to put on makeup and pants. For real. Hey, maybe if they had online dating was more popular in the 90s, Buffy wouldn't have ended up with a bunch of undead guys. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> hey, says the girl who had a sexual awakening. Yeah, vampirelove.com. That's yep. what Buffy would use. I'm going with that. Vampire the one. Oh, oh, also, also, not only, not only is the age range acceptable for Anya, but you have to look like Spike from Buffy. No, <laughs> high cheekbone. I just really like bones. high cheekbone. <laughs> um, you, you're gonna need to listen to the episode we recorded the other night when it comes out, where we get into how Spike. And Drusilla were based off of Sid and Nancy from the Sex Pistols. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? You didn't know that? No. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to be listening to all the episodes. So <laughs> I still adore him, but I just, I'm saying, like, go in eyes wide open. Um, okay. So let's see. They're eating donuts at the gravesite. That's how far from back. Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like we like to talk or something. Uh, oh, Willow says, what I promise you becomes a very iconic line, love makes you do the wacky. Yeah. Yep. Oh. And she also, um, she also, like, um, because Buffy's telling her about how, you know, Angel's upset with her or whatever. And she's like, why? Because you did the sexy dance with Xander. And Buffy's like, am I never going to live that down? I'm like, yeah, because the way you were dancing on Xander was uh, I mean, I know it was PTSD. I, I know, I know, I know. But and it was, now you're never going to live it down. It was weird. It was out of character. Look, that's the thing. It was hilarious. It was, it was gross. Also, I'm going to give Xander a lot of credit for not actually trying to work that in. <laughs> yeah. When he thinks, like, savvier and smoother, he 
might have gotten something that night. And then it would have been four But I think if, she, if he had followed and been like, well, what if I'm interested in you saying thank you? I'm not saying she would have had sex with him, but she would have gotten something. Like, like she was, she was down to something. I don't know. Look, I don't know. It could have been first base. It could have been third base. I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what the... <laughs> You don't know the yeah, specific third base in the nineties. It's completely different from third base. French field finger fuck. I don't understand. <laughs> finger fuck is one of my favorite phrases. <laughs> <by the way. laughs> French field finger fuck. Okay, so to me, it's uh, French. Uh, and booze? Do you like themed food? Do you like a mixture of high and lowbrow? Well then, welcome to Loaded Literature. We're your hosts. I'm Victoria. I'm Hale. And I'm Anya. This podcast began as a book club that expanded beyond our reading room. We cover one book in a month and break it down by analysis, background context, and adaptions, all of which will be paired with alcohol and food. So please come join our book club. Episodes air Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific time, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us on social media at loadedliteraturepodcast.com, Loaded Lit Pod on Twitter, or Loaded Literature on Instagram. We all have our own individual social media, so please follow us there as well and come join the conversation.